Hello, dear friends. Welcome to For The Record. This is episode 28 of your weekly music podcast, or one of your weekly music podcasts, probably. Um, last week, we we did a huge episode on um, one of the biggest metal bands uh, of all time. And this week, we're also doing a really, really big release. Um, but before we get there, we'll do some introductions, shall we? My name is Sean Tierney. Uh, hope you're all keeping well out there in the world. With me, as per usual, is my glorious and radiant co-host, Mr. Zach Buggy. How are you, fam? I'm not too bad, boy. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I'm absolutely roasting, but that doesn't really affect <laughs> the podcast in any way. But I'm roasting alive. Um, probably, it's probably not as warm as uh, the part of the world these boys are from. N- no. I would, Texas. But... I, I would suggest not. Um but yeah, because I think there's going to be a good bit to talk about here for today's episode. Uh, before we get into it, catch us for the record pod, Facebook and Instagram. The Twitter is there. It is coming. I promise it's just setting it up and being active on it. That's all it is. But it is coming. Um, so come follow us and give out to us on all those platforms if you wish. So last week we we talked in depth about the new Slipknot record, The End So Far, which is fucking banging. Mm-hmm. But we also mentioned before we started getting into that, we talked about At The Drive-In and how brilliant Relationship of Command was. And then they broke up and then they got back together for Interalia. No, which they, was they, a, nothing else ever happened. They just broke up. They just broke up and nothing <laughs> ever happened. Yeah. I had this fever dream once where they got back together for a year and put out a really unnecessary comeback album called Interalia and toured and it was shite. And no. then they fucked off again. Is that just a really bad fever dream I had? Okay, good. That's Never good. Happened. I'm glad. <laughs> not so, well, I think I'm sure a lot of people know that when At the Drive In broke up originally, in the gap between Relationship of Command and this imaginary album Interalia <laughs> that I dreamt up, uh, the boys Cedric Bixler's Lavala and uh, Omar Rodriguez Lopez, two, three prong name boys. Uh, went on to start the Mars Volta, who are often considered to be one of, if not the greatest prog rock band of the 21st century. And I wouldn't consider Tool in that because Tool are prog metal, as far as I'm concerned. Mm. But the Mars Volta disbanded back in around 2012, I think, after the release of their... Nocturnicus. A Nocturnicus, which was their fifth or sixth record. And it's kind of been like been a weird decade since then because i mean after at the driving broke up you, the other lads went and started sparta more power to them sparta great band but cedric and omar when they started the mars volta after the success and exposure relationship command had gotten at the driving i mean it put them on jules holland and all that i think then it just there was a perfect storm when they went and started this new project and this new direction and deloused the comatorium to Francis the Mute to fucking the Bedlam and Goliath, those three records just skyrocketed those guys to like an insane place of popularity and fame. Where it's we're in a different headspace now because like a band who sounded like the Mars Volta sounded back then would not get as big now if they came out. No but for chance. Some reason, no, no, no chance. chance. Zero. <laughs> no way. Like, at, no, never going to happen. Nah, never, nah, ever, ever. Mars Volta sound was so out there and so complex and but like had such major label push to it and like just they were huge they were fucking everywhere and it was and I loved it it was amazing to see but it just seemed so strange um, and uh, this yeah. is ostensibly your pick because um you, you suggested we cover this but um, I'm just going to give you my brief thoughts on the Mars Volta and I'm going to hand the keys of the kingdom over to you my friend um I think that Deloused in the Comatorium is about as nailed on a classic record that has ever been released. Yeah. There are there are times when I'm like, oh my God, this is as good as anything I've ever heard on Deloused in the Comatorium. I think that it's it's just one of these kind of undeniable it's just perfect I fucking love it Um, I heard uh, in Inertiatic ESP on a Rock Sound cover CD and I was so confused I had never heard anything like the Mars Volta 
I was just, I was fascinated, but I was a little bit apprehensive and I was like, what is this? This is so weird. But to be honest, when I got my hands on the record, I, I was just blown away. I think that, I just think it's one of those absolutely perfect, perfect albums. And as you said, it was like a perfect storm. Whatever was going on in the world of music, it was the only time where a band like the Mars Volta could blow up to the proportion they did. Um, to my great shame, I have never really given the rest of their back catalogue as much attention as I should have. You know, I, I listened to them all and I enjoyed everything I, I heard. You know, there was never a point where I was like, ah, this is shit, I'm getting out of them, you know. But I never got obsessed with them in the way I feel that I could have. I think it was just because around that time, I was just getting into really like, you know, I was big into the new wave of American heavy metal, you know, Lamb of God, Chimera, fucking Killswitch, you know, all of that stuff. And it's as as great as, as some of those records are, you know, they're a completely different part of the audio spectrum than the Mars Volta. And I was just gone off in a different direction. That was all it was. Um, It's not to say that the Mars Volta are a bad band or anything, because I would, I would never attempt to suggest that it's just that i haven't given them the love that they probably deserve and um here we are at album number seven after 10 years and amazingly despite just loving like truly loving the debut and liking everything since but never investing in it i was so excited for the release of this self-titled album it just it it surprised me so much. It bubbled up inside me without. I was like, "Oh shit!" There's a Mars Vault album. It feels big for some reason, doesn't it? Well, it's that thing of absence making the heart grow fonder. Because, Possibly, yeah. I mean, because like like we said, after at the driving broke up and the two guys started the Mars Volta, they and I think they'd probably gotten because because Relationship of Command had done so well as a major label release. I think Mars Volta were given a lot of backing and had a lot of good grace on their side. And then d and the Comatorium just happened to be a classic. So, mm -hmm. but with this big label push to it. So they just had this cult entered this cult following that kind of got caught up in the mainstream energy. And they ended up like building on that with Francis the Muse. And then by like, by the time Bedlam and Goliath came out, I mean, the sound is almost different at that point, but they had established, you know, at that point, people knew without the driving to expect the unexpected. And they kind of always delivered on that. But when, but at that first run of three albums is the creative peak, if you will. Okay. And, and, and most people agree then it it it, it got the, the, it slowed down a little and you had Amputecture and Octahedron and then finally Nocturnicate. And like, I mean, that second half is, is, there's nothing wrong with it, but it's definitely, it's the weaker batch compared to like just how crazy that first run of three albums is. And can, I think- Can I just, can I just ask, um, like, would you, would you hold up Francis the Mute and Bedlam and Goliath to the same level as Deloused or- Oh yes, 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 yes. Really? Okay, oh, yeah. fucking hell! I, think, I, yeah. I have to go in on them. So yeah, I think I, I think the first three Mars Volta albums are that's one of the greatest runs for a band in history. I think, yeah, I I, okay. I think like I I I have friends who are like bigger Mars Volta fans than me, hmm. who their favorite record is Francis the Mute, and they yeah. they okay. have that as their magnum opus. So I mean, it really Fuck. depends on on your ears, <laughs> but like they're it's usually mo most most most. Mars Volta discussions it's always either Deloused in the Comatorium or Francis the Muse and then everyone agrees then, which then then the Bedlam and Goliath is just beneath the okay. level of those two awesome. but I like I fucking adore the Bedlam and Goliath like I think that album is just amazing but so so it, like there's nothing wrong with Amputecture and Octahedron and Nocturnicate's got some really good bangers, but it's just that they all pale in comparison to the momentous, like, drug-addled, prog genius wizardry that's going on on those first three albums. So by the time Nocturnicate came out, I think everyone, not that everyone was over the Mars Volta, but every, no one expected the, anything from the Mars Volta anymore. It was like, you don't owe us anything. You gave us at the drive-in, then you gave us the Mars Volta. It's all good. So, like, when Volta went away on their hiatus, I think most people 
you know, I prefer a band to leave when they still have something okay to say rather than tarnishing their legacy and whatnot. So I completely respected them choosing to hang it up. Mm-hmm. And then, and then it become the, the, the last 10 years between when Nocturna Kid came out in 2012 to now has been a bit of a mixed bag. I mean, Omar Rodriguez Lopez, he has a million and one fucking projects that the man can't fill. <laughs> I mean, he literally has the Omar Rodriguez Lopez group or something it's called. And he had Bosnian Rainbows who... Bosnian Rainbows are actually... They, they're they pretty incredible. Uh, it was like Omar and uh, the front woman from La Butcherette. I can't, her name escapes me. And one of the former drummers from the Mars Volta, I think, and another member, and they were like a real synthy kind of ambient pop kind of group. They they um they only had one self-titled album, they put it out in Sergeant House, but like there's some really cool tunes on that. There's like one of their songs was used at the end of one of the episodes of season one of True Detective, and I remember being oh, really wow. blown away by it. And my buddy, who I, who I lived with for years, just turned to me and goes, that's fucking Bosnian Rainbows, Omar's band, I've recommended to you. And that's what made me go check out the album. Yeah, Bosnian, he, okay. my buddy, my, before Bosnian Rainbows put out their Bosnian Rainbows album, or before had even announced their pro- that project, he, my buddy in Dublin, we were living together in Dublin, and he went to see the Omar Rodriguez Lopez group or whatever the fuck it's called. <laughs> and Omar came out with that's the full billing of the project the Omar Rodriguez Luke Lopez group or whatever the fuck it's called (laughs) (laughs) but but when he showed up at the show Omar came out with the other three members of Bosnian Rainbows and was like this is actually a new project called Bosnian Rainbows thank you for coming and played the album for everyone before it even came out so that's weird yeah I thought it was cool though cool so He he worked away in Bosnian Rainbows. Then him and Cedric regrouped for Antimask, which uh, everyone forgets Antimask. And I don't mind that Antimask album. Antimask, for a quick recap, was Cedric and Omar from At The Drive-In and the Mars Volta. And they hooked up with Flea from the Red Hot Chili Peppers and David Elich, who was the drummer on the first Mars Volta record. Uh, I'm pretty sure he was the drummer on d And Anti-Mask is very much four-piece vocal guitar, bass drum, almost garage rock, kind of garage punk post-hardcore, 10-track, half-an-hour album, instantly forgettable. I thought it was uh, shite. An album, yeah. a, a podcast I listened to, they mentioned it. And I was like, oh, cool, I'll check it out or whatever. Um, oh, I thought it was rubbish. I it's very forgettable. It's it very. Is, it, it is forgettable, yeah. But um, yeah. maybe again, like it's said, because it's of ten, expectations, you know. Do you know? Yeah. It's, yeah. it's ten tracks. It's about three minute songs. It's about a half an hour long self titled record, and you literally have the two main brains behind at the drive in and the Mars Volta regroup with Flea and their one of their old Mars Volta drummers, and it's just. It sounds like just ten demos of songs that yeah. would. That that would eventually be chopped up and mutated into Mars Volta songs down the line, but they just sounded like very much ten quick demo pop alt rock songs and garagey rock, and they, it was very forgettable and bland. And that was that. And I think after the after the failure of and the underwhelming reaction to Anti Mask, they decided to get at the driving back together. No, they didn't. They did, Tyranny. And you have to accept the fact that they did. They got at the drive-in back together and they put out a comeback album called Interalia in 2017. And that was shite. And it was. Just, I, I do yeah, have to it, accept they did come back and it was terrible. And like I love at the drive-in. Like they're Acrobatic Tenement in Casino Out, Relationship of Command, three incredible albums. And I really wish they had just stayed broken up. And like yeah. I said, it's I said it's in a few weeks ago on a podcast, it's a bit mixed because they got back together. I saw them at Riot Fest in Chicago and half the set was them touring in Toralia and it was shite. And then the other half was getting to hear songs of Relationship Command and I was crying my eyes out. So 
then that was five years ago. And I think they know deep down that that at the drive-in re- reunion was a failure. They obviously, they did their tour. They played their venues. They, I mean, they made all the money they could make off doing that, but they could have just done an at the drive-in reunion tour, but they wanted to feel like it had more purpose. So they put out into Rallya. Most people at the drive-in fans didn't click with it. It wasn't what anyone wanted. It's, it's, it's basically a blemish on the at the drive-in legacy. And they, and a lot of people kind of forget that even that the interalia even happened. I know I fucking do. I actually forget I, that. I it, try to. You try to, you block it out, you literally do. And now, five years later, and it, this and I, I this probably sounds a lot more cynical than it should, but and now after the failure of the anti-mask project and the failure <laughs> of the anti <laughs> comeback album Interalia. Cedric and Omar reconvene at the Mars Volta, their most their their biggest project that they ever invested had worked on. And it's like now it's time to try and resurrect the Mars Volta. And now that very much sounds cynical. And I like to think that the guys wanted to bring this back. But it is funny that they tried a new project that failed. And then they tried at the drive-in reunion and that failed. So now we arrive back at the Mars Volta, which to be fair, it, it's the main thing everyone wanted again anyway, was for the, to, to re, 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 restart the Mars Volta and start oh, touring yeah. again and start working on new music under the name the Mars Volta. So we now arrive at their self-titled seventh full album. Yeah. And I was really surprised when, when I heard about this earlier this year. And I was really intrigued because I know that Cedric, the vocalist and, and primary lyricist, like that dude, like he went through a lot of shit over the, like in the 10 years since Nocturnicate to now, especially to do with his wife. Okay. His, his uh, wife uh, used to be part of Scientology and... This is going to get really deep for a quick second, but there's an actor who hide from that 70s show. Yeah. Yeah. Danny Masterson or something yep. like that. His bro- uh, Him and his brother, who's in Malcolm in the Middle, they're Scientologists. And one of them, that, uh, like I said, hide from that 70s show. He is, he, 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 like sexually assaulted Cedric's wife years and years ago in in a Scientologist group or some fucked up shit. And because Scientologists are known for their whole, like if you go after them legally, they try and attack you and dox you and destroy your life. And Cedric's wife was like, no, I need to take this prick to court. And, and, and Cedric backed his wife on all that. And they basically just had the full hammering fist of Scientologists just after them and fucking trying to make their life a misery because Cedric's wife wanted justice for what she had been through. And like, and it's like, it's all been done. Your man's been charged and everything. But like, so like Cedric and his wife had to go through all that shit and like literally like under like, like direct attack from fucking Scientologists who were nutters. So I had a feeling, number one, that this was probably a time in Cedric's life that he probably needed to come back to the Mars Volta and probably was in a place where he hadn't been able to until now because of all the shit he was going through, the legal shit. So there, and that definitely seems to have influenced the album, even because lyrically Cedric throughout his career at the drive-in and Mars Volta has been a densely cryptic lyricist. You know, Mars Volta are always known as... (laughs) That's such a nice way of saying... No one knows what the fuck he's on about. Yeah. <laughs> densely cryptic, I think, is a nice way it's, to cover it. Densely cryptic are just, like, it's amazing how someone can be a great lyricist and no one knows what he's saying. It's fucking no, brilliant. It's, 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 it's really hyper, cool. Really yeah, it's cool. hyper gibberish for the most part. Like, And it's beautiful and poetic and scientific and abstract, and, but it's very out there. So, super surreal. Super surreal, hyper surreal. Yeah. So... There are moments on here with, with with typically surreal and unreliable, crazy lyrics, but you can oh, unreliable. <laughs> but you can definitely interpret here that there are moments where he's alluding to like organized religion and Scientology and his partner. And um, I just have to interject and say I cannot. I have 
I have not interpreted anything from the lyrics. So when it comes to the lyrics on this record, I am going to be I'm going to be Francis the mute. I am not going to say a fucking word. Um, I I find Cedric so impenetrable that I just didn't even try. I just wanted to get lost in the sound of the record and just kind of invest myself in what I was hearing and not try to think too deeply about what he was or wasn't saying because I found that you could tie yourself in knots sometimes with Cedric's lyrics and you end up just more confused than you were at the start. So I just, I, I just, I just allowed myself to be, to, I subjected myself to the record musically and sonically, but didn't dive in on the lyrics. Well, that's that's a very fair point. And I'm not, I, I am not about to fucking, we could do a 12 episode podcast dissecting the lyrics to this album. <laughs> so, yeah. All I'm saying is that there are moments on here that seem to be. Alluding, alluding to what he's gone through. Organized religion and, yeah, and like, the lawyers and payments and like kind of mm. the, the interlocking of like you know financial gain and religion and so there are allusions to the, the shit he's gone through over the last decade since we've heard from the Mars Volta so I just I thought wonder, that was an interesting thing to mention I wonder if I'd known that prior to listening to this album would I have picked up on those things because even as you were saying it I was kind of like oh maybe, maybe that was you know you know you, you can hear those those lyrical touchstones even as someone who as I said was massively confused by the lyrics throughout but um yeah that's uh, that's really really interesting and I I think I knew that story but I just I, I think I'd forgotten it you know fucking yeah. ter- terrible shit fuck Danny Masterson uh, fuck Scientology as well oh no they're going to come after us now um, <laughs> we've so, not to give them no yeah we've not to give them so it's all good um, but, uh, so, but the thing Go on. I was just going to say, do you want to do you want to get into the record? Yeah, yeah. That's what I wanted to say was disclaimer, listeners. A lot of people online fucking hate this album and are really underwhelmed by this album and disappointed in this album and are bitching and moaning like ungrateful little bitches and moaners. Let's <laughs> try to get that out of the way because I this album is a massive departure from the Mars Volta sound as we know and love them. But again, it's them coming back 10 years after the fact. It's been like, yeah, it's a full decade since their last album, Nocturnicate. And I think after the misstep of the Anti-Mask Project and the major misstep of the Interalia at the Driving album, which was them trying to recapture the sound of the Mars Volta, of the, at the Driving when they were like 20 years older and I mean, their tastes were different and their performance style was different. And you could hear the sound of older musicians trying to recapture the sound of their youth and it made Interalia sound artificial. And a lot of people saw through that. So here on this new Mars Volta record, which is self-titled, which I think is a telling statement in itself to choose to just self-title the record, there is zero, and I mean zero, attempt to cash in on Deloused in the Comatorium or the Bedlam and Goliath mm. or to be like, oh, remember us, remember all these crazy drum fills and remember these psychedelic freakouts and these fucking nine-minute opus-style tracks. No, like all this has in common with the Mars Volta of old is that it is the same musicians, the same writers writing music that's as out there to them and their experience. And that's as true to them and their experience as possible. Because the Mars Volta at the end of the day could always go in so many sonic directions at once. It was never about being this freak out prog band. It was just writing the music. And at the, and Mars Volta could go from like so fucking sprawling and crazy to so muted and delicate within the span of, of like 30 seconds. Mm-hmm. And there was always just this sense of like the jovial search for experimentation and reward in performance with the Mars Volta to me anyway, it was, there was never a, Oh, we're so proggy for the sake of being proggy. It always felt really natural and sincere to them. So it never felt wanky. No, it never felt wanky. It always felt like for me, um, that every, every decision they made and every nine minute song they wrote was justified because they took you on journeys that other bands were not capable of. Um, just to, 
I want to I want to wind back a bit to what you're saying about the people online don't really like this album or disappointed in it or whatever. Um, I want to say up front that I don't know what I am about this album. I don't think I'm disappointed. Um, it's a confusing experience for me. Um, in that I actually I. I really enjoy this album. Like, I really, really enjoy it. I think it's it's a really good listening experience. Um, but I have my issues with it, which I think that we'll probably get into as we move through the record. Um, but I, I do have issues with it. I think they're actually, they're serious enough issues, as in, like, to the detriment of... The staying power of the album, if that makes sense, I'm being as cryptic okay. as as Cedric himself there with that with that sentence. But um, yeah. Well, to to clarify what what Tierney's being very cryptic about, the this album, for all intents and purposes, a lot of a lot of people are throwing the word pop around, which I which I just think is just ludicrous to be like that's the most yeah it's it that's the but, but, and that's a positive as well. You literally have people bitching and moaning online. Man, I hate the internet. Yeah. All I see online is either derogatory statements or rave reviews talking about how the Mars Volta have gone pop. But in what world is this a pop record? Thank you. Thank you. This, like is, how... not, this is not a pop record. Like, I mean... It, it's, it's... it's pop by, by comparing it to fucking doused in the comatorium or Francis the Mute. Like, literally, every negative comment is... Man, that's sad. I, I loved this band when they were, like, prog rock geniuses, and now this is just pop album. This that's is so just dumb. a pop album. I'm yeah, just going to reject that, like, flat out of hand. That is that is not the case. This is not a fucking pop album. No, Absolute it's not morons. My God. Oh. But even, and even positive reviews, like the enemy in, in like four out of five, Mars Volta goes pop with like rewarding results. It's like this, how is this a pop record? It's just not, it just doesn't have nine minutes psychedelic freakouts on it. That doesn't mean that it's a pop record now. Like, it's so stupid, man. It's so stupid. But, um, but this album yeah. is, is it's a lot more, it's a lot more nuanced and delicate than any previous Mars Volta album. It's very indicative and reflective of a 10-year hiatus and a return and older heads on young shoulders, that whole fucking thing. It's it's the sound of them kind of rediscovering what the Mars Volta can be. And like it's still, to me... People who are saying, oh, there's a lot of people bitching and moaning that, you know, this should be a new project with a new name because it sounds nothing like the Mars Volta. And I'm like, it's the men who are, it's the people who are the Mars Volta. So it's their right to release what they want under what their project, their name is. Like, if it's their project at the end of the day. It's their creative decision to add to what legacy. If they choose, they, they chose to fucking add into Rally Attack to drive it. It sucked, but they chose to add it to the mm-hmm. legacy. That's on them. And with the Mars Volta, I think this self-titled project is a great and really surprising addition to the Mars Volta canon. And I saw a great comment from someone who said, you know, to come out and release an album that sounds nothing like the first six albums and that is far more chill and nuanced and vibey and atmospheric and really not like nine-minute prog freak-out psychedelic tracks and is really like leaning on Latin kind of instrumentation and it, to release this chill out kind of record that's really unassuming and a complete left turn after a 10 year absence. That is the most fucking Mars Volta thing they could have done. <laughs> I mean, that's that a fair is, point. That's yes. a fair point. Yeah. Like, why are you like the Mars Volta did the, what you weren't expecting them to do? That's what the Mars Volta do. Like, I think that. The Mars Volta never set out a, a set of rules or boundaries for themselves ah. in the way that other bands do. You know, you know, other bands kind of set their stall out, but like I think the Mars Volta kind of immediately messed with their own formula and even within the space of songs, you know. So they're one of these kind of limitless kind of you know, borderless kind of bands, they can kind of do whatever they want, really. I mean, they're, 
they're they're entitled to that because they're such gifted musicians. I mean, I can see the argument for starting it as a new project, only in the sense that it's a huge departure. But at the same time, it, as you said, it's their legacy, it's their band, it's their, you know, they can do whatever they want with it. And because they have never set up these walls or framework for the Mars Volta to fit in, so like yeah. let them do what they want you know you know what i mean like so i like i would, I mean, I would when they're playing live they're touring now and it's not like they're doing this in full and nothing else they're literally doing like a career spanning set of mm. songs from all the six previous albums and choice cuts from this new seventh album so i mean it and they fit right like like if like even looking at the set list from their current tour and if you listen to a couple of the tracks mixed together this like this shit fits right in it's of fucking marriage of course it does. So, like, I just think that now that I mean, and my my main thing that kind of annoys me is as well as the fact that like it's twenty twenty two, and you know we have a new Mars Volta record. I didn't know that at the start of this year that we would have by the end we would have the Mars Volta back together touring and a new full length Mars Volta album to listen to. And if people Very aren't happy. Point. Yeah, they can, like, I'm not happy with Interalia, but it doesn't affect the fact that I still have the first three at the driving albums to listen mm-hmm. to. Don't like this self-titled seventh full length. You have those first six Mars Volta records still. I think this is a great, before I even delve into the track list, I think it's a great, worthy, unique 180 and a lovely, surprising addition to their discography. And I, like I said, I think this new Sonic turn is the most Mars Volta move they could have made coming back with this record. But you have said off the bat, there are issues you have with it. So will we will we do a quick little run through some of the main tracks and we'll see what your, yeah. if you're pop out through those tracks. I think that's a good, and it, literally one of my big issues starts on Black Light Shine, um, which is the opening track. Um, I got, really excited when I pressed play on this song I thought that it was excellent uh, I loved this Latin feel and I was like oh this is not what I was expecting but in a really good way you know not yeah. in like oh this isn't what I was expecting you know I was like oh fuck here we go um, I think it's a really great first track um, I think it finishes too quickly though and I wish it built on that final drum line that comes in it's an almost black midi-esque drum line you know uh, and the finish is quite strange and that is possibly my biggest issue with this album. So many of the tracks finish really weirdly, really abruptly, really kind of in an unsatisfying way for me. And I think even some of the transitions between the songs are really clunky, which is not some like whatever about the musical shift in terms of crafting a record, that is not something I would ever expect from the Mars Volta. So I found that a really, a really big negative that did take away from my overall enjoyment, despite quite enjoying the individual tracks. It's funny because I actually totally get where you're coming from because mm. Black Light Shine was one of the first singles they put out from the album. And when I heard Black Light Shine the first time, I was like 90% under the impression that the single was a snippet version of the song because the way it ends so abruptly, yeah. I, I, I'd figured, oh, when I listen to the album, this track will probably be extended and where it ends here will actually go off into this whole other segment of the song. And I remember listening to the album uh, the, my first time in full and when that ended and it goes straight into Graveyard Love, I remember thinking, oh, fuck. That's actually the end of the song. Yeah. That is the end of the song. So I, and I agree that that is, it's quite a surprising and strange abrupt way to end the track, but it almost feels like maybe it's going for this intro track type of feel, the way it has that kind of minimal blues-esque guitar line from Omar and that real clattering minimal Latin percussion. So Maybe it just it's it's purposefully meant to have this this brevity to it to make it kind of feel like an opener. But I also do hear what you're saying that a lot of these tracks and and maybe they do end quite abruptly and and, yeah. and but it is a part of it the fact that because we we're not used to 
two and a half to three minute Mars Volta songs that we expect five to six, seven, eight, nine minutes expansive journeys that we're, we're not used to hearing a, a Mars Volta slow moving track that only moves and builds for about two and a half, three minutes and then just ends. Are, are we not used to them as listeners? Are we conditioned? Maybe. But I also feel like... I mean, I mean, you you you, you could be that's, right. That's, that's a total, this is a theory rather than, no. a, oh, this is what it is. Like, but it does like, make sense when you actually, when you express it like that, it does make sense. But I do still think that some of the endings are a little clunky, which is, even if we're not expecting it, I do think they could have ended some of the songs a little bit more gracefully or more Mars volta E, you know um but yeah. that is that is one that is one of two big issues i have with the album um but songs songs are good songs are good so like, i that's the thing i like i know what you're i i kind of see what you're saying but i kind of like the fact that it's almost like it's almost the anti way of mars volta doing things because the yeah. way mars volta they, they let their tracks expand and swell and go on for ludicrous lengths of time. Whereas this, I mean, this is a, it's a relatively short album. It's it's just under three quarters of an hour. It's like 44 and a half minutes. Which is a basically lot of, like a single for the Mars Volta. Yeah, that's usually about <laughs> that's usually about like half an album, two thirds of an album. Yeah. And most of these songs barely scratch three minutes. They are very short and brief cuts. And but but there's 14 of them, so it moves. And it really moves quickly through them. Mm-hmm. And I find that I like the kind of, not breakneck pace, this isn't a hardcore record, but I like the <laughs> I like the quickness of how, like when I know like Black Light Shine ends abruptly, but I love how it then instantly hits those mad synths of Graveyard Love. Graveyard mm-hmm. Love is excellent. Graveyard Love is unreal. I yeah. love that, that that pulsing like electronic drum and I, yeah. I love those wafts of synths and Cedric just sounds so... Cedric, it sounds that the vocal that's, pattern is brilliant. Yeah, yeah, I really just feel like, and when you get when it gets to that, the course, the you know, the greatest the, delusion. Ah, really good. X ray wins. I was like, yes, I'm listening to the Mars Volta again. Really good. I've yeah, bad cryptic weird lyrics and Cedric getting all full theatrical vocal and yeah. and those six man. I graveyard love is brilliant. Really and good. Then, yeah, and then shore story is really nice and chill kind of dark and i think i think that first run all the way from black light shine graveyard love shore story into black condolences and vigil is great and it really sets this tone of it's almost like latin funk meets the the og mars volta sound that we're used to but but simplified not like and that's why i think people are calling the pop because this album seems to be music not musically simplified to complement the songs rather than the songs kind of complementing like the musicianship the songs are kind of first and foremost here and and the and the kind of moving through them i i I find this is it's just a different method for that people are used to from listening to the mars volta i think i think that something that goes throughout the album particularly on one of the songs you mentioned vigil this is a very Beatles inspired album for me. A lot of the melodies and the musical movements are very Beatles inspired. And the thing that the Beatles were extremely good at was making complex music sound simple. And I think that that is something that the Mars Volta are doing on this album, because I wouldn't say the music is simplified, but it sounds easier to digest you know that's what i mean it's yeah, not it's, you know this isn't, a, this isn't a musically basic album but no not at all it, it's, but it's not a prog you know opus yeah. either but uh, they've, they've digestible. Do, digestible they've done that really beatles trick of making complex song structures and complex time signatures even sound digestible um but yeah i'm i'm with you for the first five tracks, yeah, Blank Condolences. I love that big squawk and synth that's in the middle of it and the pre-chorus and chorus is really cool. I think the re-entry into that, the verse section, there's a solo um, with these electronic elements. It's fucking brilliant. And I like the little sporadic guitar parts throughout. Vigil, like I said, very Beatles inspired. Very, very nice. And then, Cadiz te Mediga mi corazón is just like a full-blown salsa song, but it really, really yeah. good. And then, and that's the thing, I mean, but, but I find that first half of the album very strong. 
and very direct and really and it it, it kind of sets out its path. And like you said, it it is it. It, it as like and that's why again why I roll my eyes people calling the pop because it's so not a pop record and it's so dense and musically complex. But when you listen to it compared to like D Loust in the Comatorium or Francis the Mute, it's so it's all it's almost like it's like you know Debbie does Dallas. It's like the Mars Volta does easy listening. It's still as complex as can be, but on the outside, it's easy it's easy to listen to and digest because it's so much calmer. And like I like how you compared it to the Beatles. It is it. It's very, it's very sneaky in how it's able to, <laughs> to weave these really intricate melodies to you in these really easy facets of listening. Like, yeah, yeah, um, I love that all time radio effect. They have an instrumentation on the Mi Corazon song, and then it kind of evolves into a little bit of a more jagged rock bass song. And I wish they'd developed on that fucking uh, the loaded, loaded hook. I wish they'd they'd gone further with that. That's one of the times where I think that 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 sudden finish doesn't work as well because I I wanted more from this track. I wanted it to really blossom. And I thought we were getting... Like it's only a minute 40. Like it's purposefully, obviously, an interlude type track. Oh, absolutely. But you know, there, there's that build. There's a vocal build on that yeah. loaded line that I just wanted to get that full-blown explosion. But at this stage, I think I was realising, it was like, okay, this is not... This is not your granddad's Mars Volta album. This is like... Yeah, yeah. You know, this is a completely new thing. And that's fair enough. Like, I mean, absolutely. But I still wanted just that little bit of more expansion on just that track um but then i got my favorite track in the album i think cerulea is it's really is a tune it's a stunner i think um i think it sounds really organic i think it sounds the fullest you know as in like there's just a lot there and i do you know that i find my moment to fall apart line is Ah, uh, I mean, it's it's heartbreaking. Like it sounds yeah. so, and for me, it's the emotionally resonant resonant peak on the record. Um, I I love Cerulea. It's really, really beautiful. Really, really great track. Yeah, and like I said, I really feel like there's a lot of there's a lot of Cedric kind of unpackaging a lot of the the, the shit, the baggage he's kind of had to deal with over the since the since the nocturnicate to now mm-hmm. i think it really is a really poignant moment there where he's really it's almost letting the guard down the eccentric guard down for yeah. cedric uh and then i think we get into some of the like weirdest run of tracks the flash burns from flashbacks into palm full of crooks that that's quite a strange batch of cuts especially palm full of crooks with those like weird ambient synths but then no case gain no case gain no case gain sounds more at the driving than anything off of fucking interalia did it really does yeah when cedric cedric has that old fucking voice going on and he it literally sounds like listening to an outtake from relationship of command like it's like it's really like it sounds more like the at the driving than it sounds like old mars volta which is yeah. really strange, yeah. Um, flashbacks or flash burns with flashbacks. It, it's a little bit aimless for me uh, again, and that was the 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 clunky transition was was really for me on that. Panful of Crux is actually a really another highlight for me. It's really lush and full sounding. It knows where it's going and it gets there. It's very subtle. It's very rich. Really, really good. And yeah, no case gain is really cool. Um, it's got a. I really- love the attitude of it. It bring it bring it reminds us of. It's the one. It's the one point on the album where I get like visions of big Afro heroin yeah. ice Cedric. You know, yeah. like yeah. fucking. I get Jules Holland's two thousand era Cedric on yeah. no case. And it's like a proper little flashback moment, but it really does. It evokes at the driving memories more than Mars Volta, definitely. Yeah, really, really good. Um, and then I, I said that I thought flash. Flash burns from flashbacks was aimless, but then Tourmaline is aimless in a good way. It's I was just really... going to tell you better not shit on Tourmaline. No, I, no, no. It's the album. but you know it's one of it's it's really hazy and hypnotic. Uh, I I wrote that it's a uh, it's a little bit like dancing in a forest when you're on mushrooms, but you're also in a cartoon. It's just like it's almost yeah. like it's almost intangible, but it's wonderful to listen to. It really, I I love Tourmaline. It's excellent. Yeah, it's a that's a real like I like you said you use the term hazy and it's very and a hypnotic. It, that is a real proper 
that that's real lush, lush peak on the album. I think mm, it's fabulous. It really stands out. Yeah, I I love it. And then Equus Three is great, but I love I love Collapsible Shoulders. Collapsible Shoulders reminds me of like ELO or Yes, but it reminds me it. Okay, stay with me. Collapsible Shoulders is like if ELO or Yes released a song that was produced by like Kenny Beats. Yeah, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. I can hear that. Um, it's like a much- fucking modern hip hop producer producing a, like a seventies prog rock song. As much as I said that I thought the saying this is a pop album is bullshit, I did write that this is almost a pop song. You know, I think the Beatles influence is just massive here. I really, really dig it. I think the song has a logical conclusion, which at this point in the record, I was like, is a fucking rarity. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) um, And the chorus is brilliant. And I really, really like the melody as well. Collapsible Soldiers is excellent. Excellent it's that, like he's got that like that programmed kind of drum that drum percussion and the organ sounding kind of keys. Yes, yeah, really brilliant. I, it's gorgeous and that hook and Cedric's delivery. It's just and it's not. It's one of those tracks. I know sometimes you have a problem with like the lengths and stuff, but it's it's a really good short, sweet two and a half minute track. It it needs to only be that long because it ends like a song should end. Like it, it's it's got a logical conclusion, you know, and I think it it's brilliant. It's fuck, it's excellent, excellent song. I, 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 one of no my standards. No complaints. One of my one of my highlights as well. Absolutely. How are you feeling about the requisition? Yeah, I I it, okay. I hold my hands up. I really really like the requisition, but it, it but it, it, it when it ends, you're kind of like, oh, there's no other track. A little bit. Uh, yeah. What I thought was interesting about the requisition was that it actually offers kind of slightly new flavors to the rest of the album, which is unusual for your final track because mm. you're kind of a little bit like, oh, I could have done with a little bit more of that. Like you know, I could you know, I could have. I wanted to see where this goes. You know, I think that the the baseline is fucking brilliant. Uh, the low throbs kind of throughout it are really really cool as well, and they play off against everything else that's going on in a really, really, really nice way. Um, it's a cool way to f- finish the record, but yeah, definitely I could have, I could have seen myself listening to something along those lines a little bit more. Um, I think uh, as much of an issue as I've had with the, the finishing of some of the songs or whatever, I, I can see what you're saying in terms of maybe it's just based on expectation, etc., etc. The other big problem and probably the biggest problem for me is um the production oh yeah particularly on the drums i think that the drums get shown up pretty badly on the more sparse sounding songs like shore story and cerulea and uh, that super clipped snare sounds they're going to just doesn't work for me and the kick sounds really hollow um and then i think it leads to the more kind of rocking songs um like the requisition lacking a little bit of punch or drive uh, the production just lacks a warmth for me um, and it focuses a little bit too heavily on the vocal because there's a I... shitload of vocal production going on um, but unusually usually production is a real sticking point for me if I don't like a production I can't like the album but I'm mm. I'm not a big fan of the production but I actually as you've heard, like I, I've been super positive about nearly every track on here. Like I, I think this is a a really, really good album. It's not Deloused in the Comatorium, but it's a really, really good record. But it does have those flaws for me. And obviously you have you've navigated the, the abrupt endings and they're not an issue for you. And I'm sensing that from your your kind of questioning eyebrow that uh you you, you don't have an issue with the with the production either. No, I actually totally get where you're coming from. That, and maybe that is another reason people have thrown the pop label around that because the album, it's very tidally produced and the drumming definitely, not not only do I think the drumming takes a backseat on this entire record, but I feel like no, no Mars Volta album more than this self-titled seventh full-length 
sounds like sounds less like a full band and more like Cedric and Omar with backing musicians behind them occasionally. Get out of my mind. You get that what I'm was, saying? That was going to be my kind of overall summation. I think that this album, as good as, good as it is and as good as it's, as well as it works, there is something in me that thinks that they need some outside guidance, as in from a producer or to have a more band environment for the writing process because mm. it's self-produced or it's produced by Omar, I think. But I'm just thinking like, imagine what someone like Kurt Ballou or Will Yip or even Machine who did a fucking great job on the Presto Mico record. Like someone like that who really gets a sense and a feel for a band keep them far the fuck away from Rick Rubin but as much as I love Rick but that would not be what we want from no. this band but, it's, but I even find like with even with like the Bedlam and Goliath I mean that even though that like even though the Mars Vault has always primarily been Cedric and Omar mm -hmm. and they're the main writing duo every album between Dealhouse and the Comatorium to Nocturnicus sounds like the two of them and a, and a full band that they have hired and enlisted and worked with and crafted these songs with. And even though Cedric and Omar are the centerpiece, you can hear this full band that they're a part of on all those Mars Volta records. Like, Delos and the Comatorium could never be the product of two people working together. No, you, no, God. You no. know, no way. But this easily could be. Like, two yes. guys in their shade, or their, you know, and like, are their mansion. Yeah, even though the Mars Volta, like even then, was credited as Cedric and Omar, and then this whole cast of additional musicians, it felt like a full band. And everything Absolutely. Mars Volta has done has felt like a full band. This really sounds like an album written by two men and two musicians, and then occasionally, like, oh, this track has a drummer, this track has like two conga players, this track has maybe an, an extra guitarist and a bassist and a drummer. Okay, now this track just has one slight bit of digital percussion. It it really, this album sounds like the two guys and very sparse additional instrumentation and musicianship throughout. And maybe that was a conscious thing, but, and I, and for the most part with songs like Graveyard Love or like Vigil, I really think that minimal instrumentation and percussion and production all works, but on songs that are meant to have more like collapsible shoulders because it's meant to have that digital vibe, but songs that are meant to have that full band feel like Equus 3 or The Requisition, they end up falling short production-wise then because of that sparse vibe the material and the whole album has. It, even the songs that are full band, you know, and I don't, because I still love the album, but I have a feeling there's certain cuts on this album that won't kind of really f make their final impression until they are performed live. Uh, very, very possibly. That's kind of what I was saying at the start, that this album, my main issue with it is in terms of staying power. As in, I think that the first time, again, as I said, my, you know, about my relationship with him or whatever, but like the first time you listen to D-Louse and the Comatorium, it leaves this mark on you. It leaves an in, an indelible impression. Like you are forever going to remember that time you press play on D-Louse and the Comatorium because it's so different. It's so insane. It's so brilliant. And this doesn't leave that much of an indelible impression. This to me, and th this actually sounds like I'm really like, going for it but i mean it as a compliment this sounds like the best background music you'll ever hear i love as in it's no, very you know it's very immersive it's lovely to just oh god this sounds this sounds horrible i apologize i'm so sorry this sounds it's one of those wonderful audio experiences of immersing yourself in music and I think when you give yourself over to a record such as this and you allow yourself be subjected to it and surrounded by it, it's when it works best. Um, I think when you're when you sit down and analyze it too too in too much of a detailed manner, I think you can kind of see, you know, the joins, you see the cracks a little bit. And that's, I think, what has happened to me in terms of the production and the, the clunkiness of some of the, the transitions that I really like. I 
whacked out my my expensive earbuds that I was like right I need to listen to this and I was like oh I'm not sure about that and that and that but sometimes when like I found that I really enjoyed it when I was driving it's just it's lovely kind of accompaniment to like driving along I was actually driving towards Dingle and it's like it's a really really beautiful drive like and you go scenic and you get the beach and the sea to your left hand side it was lovely and this was a fabulous stunning soundtrack to that but when I subjected it to kind of more in-depth listening that's when I saw those those little things that I wasn't as big of a fan of if that makes sense no I totally get that and that's a very fair assessment and I do think and again maybe this is why people I keep using pop with a derogatory kind of slate but I Mars Volta traditionally especially their earlier albums isn't what you'd call background music in any sense but this is very some much... of the most involved listening you'll ever do yeah yeah but this self-titled record is very much not and I don't think it like it, it's like easy to ignore or falls into the background but this is a very purposefully chilled out record it's a very at peace record and I think especially like with a lot of the negative energy that like Cedric's dealt with over the last few years and shit and a lot of the unpacking of these and processing of these emotions and negative feelings I think there's a lot of kind of you know exercising these feelings and like letting them go so there's very much this kind of looking search for tranquility and peace within the music and I think that's why it's a lot of the tracks are quite brief and it's got this lush kind of pace to it. And I think it's very, I think, yes, I think it's the easiest Mars Volta album to listen to. And as we said earlier, it's technical <laughs> and it's, it and it's like, it's very musically proficient, but it's all delivered in a much more digestible, easy to approach and easy to kind of like vibe with like way. And it, and I definitely think that's like that, but that knowing the Mars Volta and knowing those two guys, like, that in itself was a totally conscious decision to make a Mars Volta record that was very much an easy, peaceful experience rather than it being this gargantuan mega opus. I think they wanted to show this side of their this project. And that's people like, oh, why didn't they call it something new? Because they didn't want to. They wanted this to be an addition to the Mars Volta legacy, this show that the Mars Volta can be this really nuanced, delicate, chill-out prog, ambient kind of almost easy listening experience it's like easy listening prog and like and that's why like it very much <laughs> reminds me of like <laughs> that's a great it, way that's a great way of yeah. putting it. easy listening prog rock and that's, that's why i think it's a great way of putting has, it and i think it has the, that's why i think it's most indicative of early prog like yes and fucking like e jeff lindsay lo and stuff and I might as well have always had tints of that but this is like that really old school late 70s early 80s where like prog and radio pop rock kind of intersected and they almost hid the prog nuances in more manageable ways and so yeah it it's the most kind of indicative of og prog rock and it's the easiest mars volta listening experience to date but i still feel like it's truly a mars volta record and it's one that we didn't have at the start of the year and people can bitch and moan and just listen to the older stuff and feel like it's not the same band. But I think you really have to be kind of really pushing yourself into a negative headspace to not feel like this is the same band just in a different sonic headspace and trying something new while still retaining so much of their charm and whimsy and identity. And I... I'm just so happy that we live in a timeline where we have a new Mars Volta record, even if it's a 45 minute chilled out, easy listening prog record. That's the easiest and most manageable and accessible addition to their discography yet. I still think it's a wonderful addition and I'm so happy it's here. I love it. And if you like the Mars Volta in any way, I think you owe it to yourself to listen to it, taking on board what the, the, the advice we've given and not expecting to have your mind blown out your nostrils like it would be on D. Louster Francis. I go in with an open mind and open ears and just be eager and happy that Cedric and Omar are making music again together. And and I think you're bound to have like a wonderful time and at least find some element of this album that you like. I I think it's great. I think it's reflective of modern mu- modern styles of music and OG prog. And I think it's just a lovely 
cathartic kind of return to form for them after such an absence that isn't trying to re-plummet the magic of the earlier albums. It's doing something new, but for people to be like, oh, it's not the Mars Volta, I know, love it sounds nothing like them. I'm like, there was hints of like pop and uh, there was like m- more accessible turns on fucking Nocturnica. So this isn't like the big shock to the system. A lot of people are, a lot of people are like acting like they never put out music after Deloused. They were always on a, a progressive journey. And like, so I said earlier, the most Mars Volta thing they could do was put out an album that sounds so different to their previous releases. Yet to me, it still retains so much of that identity and charm. And I agree, it might might have, it might like not have this massive impression that other one releases do, but I, I still think it's a lovely addition to their legacy and there are cuts here that I will go back to and revisit and I would love to hear in a live setting along beside the older, more classic tracks. And I really can see this being in my top 20 albums of the year because I keep going back to it and finding more things I love about it. And just hearing Cedric really just back in his full theatrical form and those lyrics and Omar sprawling attention to detail. Like I'm... Uh, I, I'm just a total wuss for the what Mars Volta and I'm so glad they're back and have a new album to give us and I, I I just think it's a lovely addition to their discography and it's just a lovely new album and yeah it rules I could ramble about it all day I love it <laughs> Do you know what I think that you have summed that up better than any of us ever could so I am I fully agree I like I said I do have my reservations but I actually really enjoy this record as well um and I don't think we can really say any more than that. I would just suggest that everyone listen to it, as you said, with open ears and an open mind. It's the fucking Mars Volta. It's the Afros. They're fucking yeah. unreal. They're the shit, man. Just listen to it and don't be don't be a dick, you know? And if you are going to be a dick, just don't put it online. Don't be silly. Um, so, yeah, that was episode 28 of For The Record. Uh, that was great. Uh, I'm I'm fully in on board with everything you said about the Mars Volta. Um, they're a great band. This is a really, really good album, and I'm delighted, like you are, that we have them in our lives again. Uh, so that's episode 28. Catch us on uh, Facebook and Instagram for the record pod. Thank you as ever for listening. Music is the best. It is indeed. The Mars Volt is the best. I'm buggy, and uh, would, next week will we just do like a roundup, maybe? Yeah, we're gonna yeah, round up loads we'll of cool up. shit that we didn't get to. Because there's been like, yeah, there's the it's last couple nuts. of episodes, yeah, <laughs> four or five pitches and we picked one. So I think we were both sitting on like at least five or six albums each. We'd like to kind yeah. of talk about wrap up. So maybe do a little wrap up of top notch releases, which will be our last wrap up until Crimbo then, I think. 100%. That is going to be the plan for episode 29, friends. Mucho swagadelic, everybody. Until next time. Bye.